Hello, welcome to the Evolution Exchange Nordics podcast. We're bringing together the best technical leaders from across the Nordic region to discuss industry passions, challenges and ideas. I'm Josh and I connect businesses with top tech talented freelancers in the Swedish market. Today, I'm joined by Rahil, Kate and Gaurav to discuss the business of analytics. Now, before we get into the questions, what I'd like to do is just to go around the room and let you guys introduce yourselves so that our readers know who it is that they are listening to. So, Gaurav, would you like to tell us a little bit about yourself? Hello, John, and all the listeners. Thank you so much for having me here. My name is Gaurav Mustafi. I am an analytics manager with Klarna right now. In short, I help Klarna analyze what their choices are for all the portfolios that they own. In the past, I have kind of done very similar things as an analyst uh, for HPC and JP Morgan Chase. And I think I've, it's been more than a decade and a half that I've been spending just counting losses for wing banks. It's been fun though. Uh, from my work, I am really passionate about finding out more about how to move ahead with better analytical tools as we do our regular stuff, better tools, better ways of doing things. And especially since I've started working with Anna, I have just learned to be very passionate about being proved wrong. It is fun when you prove wrong and when all your preconceived notions are present regularly. On a personal front, I'm very passionate about artist and painting and just keeping the paintings to myself because they're not pretty nice. But that's it. So that's me. Awesome. Thank you so much. Kate, tell us a little bit about yourself. Thank you. Hello, my name is Kate and thank you for having me at this podcast. I am a senior data analyst at a company called Cinch. I've been working as a data analyst and business analyst for, I guess, something like seven or eight years, so quite a lot. Um, I would say my biggest passion for now at work are uh, statistics and advanced analytics, and my biggest passion as a person are plants. I'm obsessed with plants, and I do have a lot of them. <laughs> awesome. Thank you. Rahil, can you introduce yourself? Hey, yeah. Thank you, Josh, for inviting me to the podcast. Yeah. Uh, so my name is Rahil Mansoor. I am working as an engage business performance uh, at Klarna. Uh, I'm working closely with our marketing domains. Uh, as a background, as my background, I primarily work as data engineer, as a data scientist, and now working as uh, in analytics as well. I'm passionate about how all three of them are connected to generate business value. And uh, on apart from data, I'm uh, very passionate about nutrition, good nutrition, exercise, and long- longevity. Brilliant. Thank you so much. Hi, everyone. This is Chris Bennett here, the Nordics Managing Director here at Evolution. We're committed to doing recruitment in a different way that adds value to both our clients and candidates by providing you with amazing speakers and leading edge discussions on what's going on in the tech scene at the moment. There are three reasons why you should contact me. If you would like to speak on a future podcast, if you are interested in hiring awesome tech data product or gaming freelancers for your business, or if you are looking for an exciting new organization to work with, please get in touch. Thank you so much for listening, and I really hope to hear from you soon. Please enjoy the rest of the podcast. Now that we've got to know a little bit about yourselves, you guys have brought some questions to discuss between the panel. So let's kick off with the questions. What I would like to know is a little bit about the reasoning behind the question so that our listeners can understand. And then what is the question? Uh, Gaurav, tell us about your question. 
Yeah, this is a question that I think I have seen a lot of businesses and a lot of leads and leaders uh, finding very difficult to answer, which is what does an analyst actually do? And what does what makes a really good analyst? So this is a question that I have also been asked when just spoken about hiring candidates for analytics roles. So I hope that with the experience that we have on the panel, that we can really discuss about this because I think the way that Google describes what does an analyst do is an analyst gathers, interprets, and uses complex data to develop actionable steps that will improve processes and optimize results. Doesn't that sound like the job of almost any function in any company in any industry? So that's a, it's a very broad definition. Uh, and also, when you think of what makes a really good analyst, I think that answer is uh, very challenging. So I hope we can discuss this in more detail. Okay, Raheel, what are your thoughts? Yeah, so I think that good business, a, a good analyst is a person that can generate business value by using data, regardless of what tools and uh, expertise they have. We still, so based on the definition, I think there's still space for specialized analysts like product analysts, marketing analysts, and risk analysts. So the person doesn't necessarily have to be jack of all. There are certain fields where analytics is a very um, uh, specific kind of role. Um, but I think that kind of depends how you see your career progressing. If you're kind of into more, uh, com uh, you see yourself as a consultant there later on, uh, you can probably not go too much into a specific field of analytics, but I think um, there are these kind of uh, careers where it's a very specific sort of uh, expertise that that's needed. For example, risk analytics. That's that's a very specific uh, role that requires different kind of analytics, uh, different kind of expertise compared to say marketing analytics or consumer analytics. Awesome. Okay. Yeah, so I agree entirely with our hill, uh, but that I will still add things uh, to consider important. I would say that a couple of years ago when I was, if I was asked what it makes a good analyst, I would go into really uh, deep specifics, like some technical tools or in expertise and experience in certain fields. But for now, I would probably say that these things, they just come to you with time. And uh, what makes a good analyst is, well, this ability, this compassion to really want other people to help, to really want to help other people to make sense of what they see in the world. Because what I would say, if you are an experience, but if you really want other people to figure out why they see certain changes in the processes and the data, why something happens and if you're really interested in finding the root cause of this then you can you have a potential to be a really good analyst because like you can learn python you can learn r you can learn to write efficient queries at sql but what makes you good analyst is like an ability to listen to other people and some interest about what they tell you and i guess it's like, like yeah being a bit of like therapeutical really compassionate about the things you listen uh, you hear is what makes good analyst up to it. Really? Thank you, Gareth. Yeah, this is going to be a long answer since it was my question. So the I agree with both Rahil and Kate. Uh, I actually have a five-point answer to the second part of the question. 
But first, what is an analyst and why do you need an analyst? I think the answer to this is, just think about it. If you are somebody who is, let's say, starting your own startup, do you ever think of hiring an analyst as part of the first batch of hires? That's what a smart business would do, but most flashy, sexy businesses wouldn't do that. You would hire a developer, obviously, because somebody has to build the tool. You would probably also hire a product manager because, obviously, somebody needs to create the product. You would have an accountant, of course, because there's some money going here and there. You would have a couple of lawyers because, obviously, you're going to do some shady stuff. But an analyst, you only get an analyst when you face a problem, like what Kate said, that you just can't find that answer to just in one sentence or just from one person. You need somebody to sit in the middle of a problem, scratching their head, connecting dots, reaching out to multiple people, knowing where to look, and then finding an answer which was not always intuitive. So that in my in a sense tells you when an analyst needed, it's almost like a painkiller. It only you only need an analyst when there is something that you can't understand. But you know that the answer somewhere in all the functions and all the products and all the structure that you've built out. But you need somebody to do the looking, to do the investigations, to spend time on that. So in my head, that is what an analyst is. If a business can define their problem properly, they will know exactly, like Rahil said, which niche analyst they need or if they need more of a generalist. There's somebody who can crunch the numbers and look at the answers and find trends and all of that. Now, the second part of the question, what makes a good analyst? I had five points, but I think... Uh, Kate added a really nice one, which is listen. somebody who listens really well. This is not easy. Like We know all the cliches about the person. If you really want to know more about the world, listen better. A good listener learns stuff. But it's not It's not easy. It's never easy because you always you know better and all that. So somebody who listens well. The other five that I thought that kind of helps me understand if somebody's going to make a really good analyst. And like, this is common for all the good and really get analysts that I've made in my career. First is to know what is the right question. You can have a problem, but then to know what is the right question to ask in the face of a massively complicated question is, I think, a very good skill. The second one is to know what you know and know how much of what you know is noise. You can know a lot about a company's data, their structure and everything, but there's a lot of noise in the knowledge that you have and only some of it is actually insightful information. The third is, how do you go back when you know nothing but? So you're going to be some questions in your life as an analyst where you have no clue about what is going on and what the question addresses. The but is when you become a great analyst because your answer is going to be, I don't know this really well, but I know A, B, C, and I can start building on that. So you are going to be the person who can point in the dark in a general direction on which to go looking for the answer. The fourth is sweat in peace to not bleed in war. If you are an analyst, if you are sitting on a pile of data with insights in every direction, every form, you need to be able to ask yourself very hard questions in preparation when nobody else is asking those questions and build your muscles in peace. So to say that you train yourself on the data, you understand the things before anybody has asked something. And when that question comes to you that you know nothing about, you already have a lot of trends that nobody's looked at, build your future analysis into. And finally, I think the one thing that nobody talks about as about list, which is communication is not just the key, it is everything. You could have done unbelievable analytics to run bazillion lines of Python code that do what no other code on any of on on earth has ever done. You can have the best chat GPT prompts you can have. But 
to be able to communicate your insights is the super part. I have seen analysts who are absolutely incapable of writing even one single line or even SQL code, but they knew how to communicate a very the output of a, of a simple select star from query in a way that told the story or which exactly addressed the question that the business had. So communication and learning how to communicate properly. And I think no, nobody learns that from day one, knows that from day one. You have to be literally in the presence of very good communicators and observe very keenly. And like Kate said, listen very carefully to understand how to communicate what you have. So these, I think, in short are five ways that can make a really good analyst. Uh, I have a comment on your uh, um... Uh, initial uh, on how you started that uh, we don't think of when someone's uh, building their startup they don't think of hiring one analyst i think a couple of things there one is there is a there is minimal data when somehow uh, when people start startup and kind of lack of infrastructure as well so they don't have any kind of databases and things like that for the bi purpose and that's i think where where the problem arises a lot in a lot of companies, people think if you throw a data analyst to the problem, they'll figure out the infrastructure, they're gonna figure out the data science and the engineering part as well, and generate fancy reports for you. Um, but you need to give your analyst the tools to succeed as well, like a good data infrastructure, good data quality, and uh, I think I've. In the past 10 years, I think I've seen this a lot that the analysts spend a lot of time generating a report and then the infrastructure team or the data team says, oh, this metric that you're using, it's the, we're not supporting this anymore. So every all of your effort kind of goes to uh, uh, yeah waste. So I think as for an analyst, uh, it's a bit of a tangent, but for an analyst to succeed, uh, and to deliver their work, you need good infrastructure and good uh, teams uh, surrounding them as well. Yeah, I think I also want to add regarding the companies who don't hire analysts in the very, very beginning. I guess in a lot of cases, companies and people who start companies believe that they do have such low level of complexity in the processes and they just can go to a person they already know and ask them to do the thing. And they also, in that moment, they don't really like the analysts because analysts are this annoying people who tell that it's not how the thing's going to look like and not how the thing should look like. Like, you, sh you should not go directly to accountant and tell the thing is incorrect. You should have a process so that later on, if the same accountant is gone and you don't know the person anymore, you, you cannot like, go with the standard clothes. So I guess most of the companies introduce analysts in the moment when they have this like whole spaghetti of unexistent processes, data, and like flows that just run chaotically around the company. And then they just throw the poor analysts in the middle of it saying, figure out. It's a bit of my personal pain as well, I guess. Uh, so uh, uh, comment about something that you said that you, what would an analyst do when there's no data? So there's a proverb which says, there's lies, then there's damned lies, and then there are statistics. So never throw, if you are making the mistake of throwing a really good analyst at a problem which doesn't have, like what Kate said, a proper structured data or seriously well-led structures behind it, you're exposing yourself to lies, damned lies, and then statistics from an analyst who is really good at finding statistics. So you are like, and this is probably 
obviously very well known to most analysts. There's a you can actually go and uh, search on Google for spurious correlations, and you will end up at a site where a person has created a list of unrelated metrics which are correlated. So there's a the common saying is correlation doesn't lead to causation. So just because I smile every time that it, uh, let's say the sky grows dark, doesn't mean that that's the sky grows dark because of my smiling. So correlation doesn't lead to causation. But there's you can find a lot of spurious correlations, like the number of murders in the U.S. is related to the number of apples sold in Japan, stuff like that. Just so that you can just because you can draw a graph of two numbers doesn't make them correlate. But so I'm saying. What I'm basically trying to say is, yes, you can have a really good analyst, but if you don't have a good base of data, like I think that's all three of us agree and that I think just in short, this session will actually turn into an absolute like session of three people complaining about what analysts cry about on the weekends. Uh, like if you don't have proper structured data, I think most of your valuable analyst time is going to be spent just doing, looking for stuff rather than looking for insights. Awesome. So now we have our second question that's brought to us by Kate. Kate, that was a bitey question. And that was your question. Yeah, sure. So I guess the question is a bit related to the question that Gurup asked and also a little bit on the distance because it has been a thing that puzzled me for, I guess, almost all the time I've been an analyst. And it has been a thing I've seen sold so many in so many different ways in different companies. Essentially, my question sounds like what according to you, is the role of the analytics team inside of the company? And how do you help yourself to conquer a different perception that business, IT, product use, whoever around has of the analytics company? Because as we may all know, a lot of the product companies can go and say that the analytics team is just a, just a bunch of people who screw their data. The business companies would say that the analytics team is responsible for all the strange KPIs they see. No matter if they, we just patch them without any changes from the source, or you know, for I don't know, for for CEO analysts can be just people who produce some Excel's and are cost center essentially. So, I guess I just want to hear your opinion about this and how do you solve this problem? I guess it's a really difficult and really huge problem to solve during the work. Uh, before, like, this is a very, very interesting and difficult question to answer. But before I get into the serious answer, here is uh, an anecdote from my own dad. Uh, before I got married, there was a point when I had to go and talk to my girl, then girlfriend, now wife, to ask for her hand. And one of the questions, obviously, was, son, so what do you do? And I was an analyst. I I literally, I kid you not, I have been married for almost seven years now. I don't think my father-in-law still understands what I exactly do. He just makes stuff up when people ask him about, what does his son-in-law do? He's like, he works in a bar. He counts other people's money and stuff like that. He, no, like, it's difficult to explain what an analyst does. So essentially, kid, I think this is, again, this is a question of perception. Because like I said, an analyst essentially connects multiple dots. And... Given which dot you are reaching out to, you reach out in a different way. You reach out to the IT people to complain about the structured data or the way the data is not, uh, the maybe the, infra the infrastructure isn't as quick and as fast as you would want it. Why doesn't my 10,000 line query run in six seconds? Why does it get, keep getting aborted every single moment? So you are somebody who's asking for very demanding stuff from IT. 
when you go out to the business, you're somebody who, like you said, <laughs> so many graphs and so many, so much uh, colorful stuff on your pages, and many of them don't make much sense. But I think it's a perception gets built up as you go along. But at least in my case, what I have tried to do is when I approach different functions or different people, you you basically have to you kind of need to pretend to be on their side. I, I I'm probably not supposed to be saying this on a podcast, which some of these people are probably going to hear me say. But honestly, you have to pretend to be with them. And, and not just pretend. I think you need to kind of also empathize with their problems and their ways of doing things. But that just gives you more perspective on how you present yourself. So maybe when you're reaching out to your partners in IT, you need to understand that even though you would want your Amazon cloud infrastructure to be super quick, it doesn't work like that. And when you reach out to your business partners, maybe understand that they don't really care about what statistical method you ran. They just care about some form of will answer. So I think it's to, it's best to re- kind of empathize with the problem space that you're reaching out to. But to be fair, it's not always going to work. So you have to be ready for hearing the no's and sometimes maybe push people to do more than what they are ready to offer. But again, you better have really good reasons for asking for those things and doing what you're doing. So again, be, maybe be hard on yourself before you be hard on others. Yeah, um, I mean, I would say... Uh... Analytics is essential. We're starting off that analytics is essential for all aspects of business in general. Um, now, if we uh, split between a relationship with the data teams or the infrastructure teams and the relationship with the business uh, stakeholders, I think if if like the BI infrastructure is running perfectly, but we're not able to get value out of it, I think it's useless. Right. So you need to have this sort of relationship between like Koros said, to keep them happy with your jobs uh, and SQL queries uh, optimized enough so that it doesn't break down their uh, their tables. But I think uh, we some sometimes we need to answer very complex questions. So we need to be uh, like cautious of uh, writing uh, more like good SQL queries as well. Now, if I talk about business stakeholder, I, I think they're like based on working within marketing for the past five years, I feel like they're not 100% aware of what they need. They have a big idea of what they need. But I think as an analyst, it's our job to kind of identify uh, opportunities of improvements and growth and kind of translate their vague wishes into actual actionable um, items and support them with insight as well. For example, I think there's in one of the organizations that I was working, we had this issue of uh, marketing teams, different marketing teams reporting different metrics when they were running campaigns. So if there was a CRM team, they would report um, click-through rates or open rates, and if it was a pain uh, team, they would rep- uh, they would report um, uh, installs or something else. And I think then there was this issue. So when we were sitting together trying to understand which campaign was the more profitable or generated the most value, we couldn't compare all of these numbers. So as an analyst, I think it is then our job to create these sort of KPIs and metrics that are standardized across different um, teams and 
like bring this standardization framework that then other teams can follow and then that makes it easier for the business to identify which initiative was more profitable or uh, had higher return on investment and uh, yeah uh, so that they they improve their processes and uh, focus on the right things so essentially what i'm trying to get at is and this is just one question it was one um aspect there are other teams of uh, business where uh, there needs to be different sort of uh, application of analytics um, but as an analyst you need to identify where the holes are and try to fill them perfect thank you so much for the answers they are great i guess and i will add a little bit but i must say first of all that i guess i don't have a bulletproof answer to this question myself i guess this whole making people want to understand what analytics is is a never-ending fraud you're just kind of committed to since you started to be a data analyst and here i would say two things are extremely important as Gaurav mentioned this is a communication and, and your ability basically to mimic sometimes other people and their vocabulary to speak to the business in the terms that business uses to speak to it in the terms that it uses just a tiny bit you don't have to be profound with this you need to understand, for example, what is a SQL query efficiency to talk to the data platform and what makes an efficient SQL query, but I guess it's going to, yeah, uh, these are more details. And the second part, the most important one is patience, because in many, many cases, you'll have to explain the same things multiple times, explaining how the things are calculated, what are you doing, why are you here, and that you are not only here to make beautiful graphs and uh, horrific CSV files to, for people to figure out something. And I also would say that probably to make a lot of people to understand what your role is and to help yourself making analytics important to the company, you can start with a bit more, like with a bit of a POC, with a bit of a smaller analytics with the KPIs that are so really important to the business. I was in one lecture and the guy there said that if your KPI doesn't lead to, to someone being promoted or fired, you are doing your job wrong. And I guess it's a bit of a controversial take, but in the beginning when you are just educating people and introducing them to the world of analytics, providing with, the, with them with the KPIs that directly show how they can improve their own business is really important because then you can at least win a huge part of the business users by showing them how important what you do is and how helpful it can be for them. Because in the end, you're here at the company to make someone else's life easier by making your work really difficult. So one thing about this is like, when you think about communication, I think this is something that I, I'm, I was very pleasantly surprised and I've learned that this is a very important part of being an analyst. Once I joined Clark, the first like literally the first meeting that I attended was uh, a very important meeting where even the CFO was present. In my habit, for all the big banks that I worked in, you join a meeting and then it's a meeting where you discuss things, right? I joined the meeting in Klarna with the CFO. On the that was almost in the first few days of me starting to work in Klarna. And nobody said a word for the first 20 minutes. And I, that was really uncomfortable. So like, why anybody speaking? The thing is, Clara expects you to write down your problem in the best way possible, in the most easily digestible format. This is something that I think 
Amazon also does in a great way because if you if, like, I think one of the good places to read about how to become good analyst is the book called the Amazon Way. So you will see that Amazon says this clearly about how they approach problems. If you can articulate your problem clearly, then you, that's half the battle won, right? So what Klarna does very well is force people. You can complain about a lot of stuff, but you better have the skill to put that into a page, very simply written, and then back it up with whatever you can, with whatever artifacts you have, graphs and charts and pictures and links and everything. But again, describe it in a very simple layman language. Don't just put up a fancy graph there with 13 lines and 14 stack charts and expect people to marvel at how complex a piece of explanation you've done. Make it simple. I think when we think about like what we are good at and what our roles at, roles are, we don't really challenge ourselves to answer that question properly. Sometimes. I, do you say, in, okay, like if your role is maybe not getting people fired, but it's, if it's not like asking very incisive questions, and if it's not really good at answering what your role exactly does, what's the point? If you yourself can't defend your role, then who else should or could? Yeah. Yep. I guess it will, will also want to add one small thing related to the things that you Gurat said. Uh, in my previous, previous, previous job, I had a chef who had this idea of not reading your email or your message in the first line or in a forward, like in a theme of your email. You cannot explain what you want and why you need his help. And I, it's a very, I would say, questionable approach to how do you treat your emails and messages, but it's a very good exercise for an analyst to try to make your first sentence, you're entering a sentence that everyone will pay attention to as much important as you can, because if your first slide tells why everyone should listen to you, if your first dashboard, your first graph says why everyone should pay attention to this, if your yeah, first line in the email is that as important so that people will read through the whole thing, then you're in a good You need to make, to be able to grab someone else's attention and it's also a skill you have to develop along with other important skills. I have a, I have a question to follow up on this to ask uh, first Kate and then uh, what do you think in just one point do you think is an analyst's biggest weakness? The one thing that if an analyst has, it's a big, big weakness from your perspective. Yeah. Um, so I think expanding on that, I think it depends on person to person as well. People differ a lot, but uh, Presentation skills is one. I've seen that analysts are very technical. They're doing extremely good jobs and crunching numbers. Um, and they're lacking the ability to present that information in a very digestible format. Like Gaurav, you mentioned we have this, uh, um, this pre-read culture where in every meeting we write this uh, document, what we need to discuss. Uh, in a uh, yeah in a very digestible format i think for analysis it's it's really important for uh, to understand how to present their findings so and every one of us would be would have been in a meeting where the person presenting keeps on saying things and you slowly lose concentration and you kind of just <laughs> your mind wanders around uh, focusing on other things so I think uh, that's that's one 
one aspect that uh, the analysts should should work on and should improve on in general. Okay, so I would add, I do agree completely regarding the communication skills. It's very important to to be able to present your idea is sometimes more important to be than to be able to do a good analytics. Because if you make people believe in what you show, that you won the battle, even if sometimes you know there are some faults. It's bad that you, if you do it, if you present the best analytics in the worst way, then you're even more screwed. But I would say that up to me, one of the biggest issues that can happen to the analyst, and it's really, really important to trace this down, is in multiple ways to go too deep in the rabbit hole. This inability to step back and to take a look, to see a broader perspective, first of all, to understand whether you're looking too much into the details and losing the general idea, or you are way in way far not into your own even area of expertise like you went too deep into i don't know pcus and uh, rsus and like settings of the servers in your company and this is like way too much into the details you are losing why you are even doing this then you have to stop and to be able to stop at the right moment to be able to just sense that you are going feeling the wrong direction really too deep is extremely important and also to be able to highlight this to others to tell others that like either they have to involve someone else or help you out uh by yeah involving other teams or that basically here just here you need to stop and go check other things is really really important and yeah the last part is asking for help it's always important to to be the person being able to ask for help because you may need a lot of help if you are an analyst yeah, absolutely. These are unbelievable data points about presentation and uh, this art that Kate said last. I think the one thing that I think at a personal level, like I have caught myself with this weakness many, many times to kind of have a certain level of intellectual arrogance, which is to say that I know, I know this for sure. I This is right. This is, it can't be wrong. How can that be wrong? I know it's for sure. I spent 13 days digging into the, into the details of it. And then you kind of close yourself up to off to all the kind of challenges that your data should have or insight can, could have. And that I think that intellectual arrogance is one of the biggest weaknesses of really great analysts because a great analyst is somebody who has probably explored different ways of getting to the same thing. And that over time that adds to the arrogance to the world that I know best. But honestly speaking, I've seen, I've not seen analysts suffer because of this, but even worse, I've seen businesses suffer because of this. When somebody said that I know this for sure, and there was one very young analyst sitting in a corner who said, oh, maybe, and then everybody said, no, no, come on, this guy knows much better. And it wasn't true. So I think that intellectual arrogance is something that needs to be always checked when that comes up inside you. The, how dare could this person question my insights? Maybe we should be open to this more to that. But yeah, uh, I, I would say, uh, yeah, that we need great points, but... Uh, one thing I'd like to add is uh, when I started out uh, working as an analyst, I mean, I would spend a lot of time um, to, like working on analysis and I would present it to my uh, team lead and he would just look at the result and say, this can't be true. It's wrong. And I, I mean, I would be pissed because I spent a lot of time, but over time I I realized how he could say 
just by looking at the final number, why it was wrong. Uh, even though all my analytics approaches were fine, there would have been something wrong with data or, um, yeah, something else. But I think business acumen, if a person, you, you develop that over time when you're working in a field. But getting to the bigger picture directly, I think, is a, when, is a very specific skill that you develop over time. And that's kind of tells you where you need to stop your analysis and where it's enough for you. And you don't need to go too much into the detail because analytics in general is, well, some of the time you need to know the absolute, the final number. And some of the time we just need to know the direction uh, that you need to take, whether five different initiatives, which one is the better. Now, if you work tirelessly into understanding how or like what percentage is one initiative better than the other? Or if you just quickly crunch the numbers and try to uh, understand which one uh, works. I think that over time you develop that skill and that uh, business acumen to understand what level of uh, analysis is enough for your problem. This is such an interesting point. I, I, this is again an anecdote from my life as an analyst. There was a time when we were building a loss forecasting model for one of our portfolios in the UK, and uh, we had been working for months on building that model. And this was not in Python or anything. It was a very, from our perspective, it was a very simple Excel-based model. But we we worked on it for months, and then we took it to the risk manager for that particular product in the UK. The phrase that he used is probably, I, if I if I ever got a tattoo as an analyst, I would probably tattoo it on my right hand. The phrase that he used was, I asked you to build me a car. You're giving me a Ferrari. I don't need a Ferrari. Give me a app to run. So the thing is, sometimes we get so hung up on building that Ferrari from our analysis point of view that we miss what you said, Raheel, that the general direction. You don't need to make it the fastest, most coolest looking car. Just make a car that runs on four wheels and the steering and maybe a puppet seat. So I think that that's something to remember when we kind of... Because I think in the analysis, we generally get very excited with the data and the stuff that we can do, the fun, interesting stuff that we can do. Oh, we can linear regressions from here, but let's try multiple linear regressions on it. So I think, yeah, that's a very way of stopping yourself and then saying, okay, this is enough. Okay, awesome. Thank you very much. And lastly, but not least, we have our question from Raheel. So Raheel, would you please tell us about your question and ask us your question? Yeah, so I, uh, so my question is, if there's a person that wants to become an analyst, what are the different tools and uh, skills that they need to develop? Um, and I think Nowadays, people can have a bachelor's degree in something else, but they still want to like come to the data side and become like work in analytics. So I think this is re this would really be interesting in knowing your you guys' perspective here on what you think is uh, essential for an analytics tool. In twenty twenty three, isn't ChatGPT the answer to all of life's questions? But no, just kidding aside. Um, so I think, uh, listen, what tools would an analyst want to have in their chest of drawers? The thing is, 
when I started off as an analyst, I was I I am a trained engineer, so I actually am trained in computer science. So I've been in the presence of good coders, and I am not one of them. I am very far from being a good coder. I only code to save my life when I'm in a very deep dark hole, and when I have not been able to do it myself, I have done exactly what Kate said, which is ask for help very loudly, crying on the floor at somebody's feet to help me through it. Generally, surprisingly, whenever I've asked for help, I have found many, many really great analysts who are really great coders. Have They have been very humble and they have been very nice to help me out with it. And I, probably I've been very fortunate to be in the presence of extraordinarily helpful people. But generally, if in my opinion, coders are generally very helpful and nice people. They don't leave their rooms, but they are generally very nice people. So the thing is, I think the main toolkit that you need as an analyst is to have a basic sense of how uh, some of the languages or query languages run. You don't really need to know how machine learning works behind it, but you, if you just know how basic data structures work, like loops or like even pseudocode, if you can write your problem in a in 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 a in a, in a pseudocode format in a structure, it's very easy to convert into code. And especially, like I said, ChatGPT is always there to talk you through all your embarrassing questions and stuff that maybe you should know or, or where a semicolon or a double quote is supposed to be a cap, uh, a single quote and stuff. So I think that's chat, what something that ChatGPT is really nice in doing. I love it because I don't have to embarrass myself to a human being anymore. I can embarrass myself by asking idiotic questions to ChatGPT. So that's there. But as long as you know how to, if you know the basics of querying or languages, I think you're good. You don't really need to be very super skilled in anything, any one thing. But maybe as an analyst, if you are, if somebody is who's listening out to this, maybe if you are, if you want to explore being an analyst, the best place is to start with the basic understanding of how querying works, basic structures like columns, what are dimensions, what are metrics, what are columns, what you could do with them, and this, then just have a playful mentality about it. You could literally find so many different problems and given, be given the data for it that you can probably explore and find your own way. That's one. And second, I think as an analyst, you kind of, it's it's, it's almost like being a good chef. After you've tried a few things, you tend to develop your own way of working, which is, for example, I have in my career worked in, obviously, in the bigger, more established banks. SaaS is the de facto uh, way of querying stuff. So SaaS is an extremely expensive enterprise level infrastructure that is very difficult if you don't have like if you don't have very deep pockets so SaaS is the de facto basically de facto tools for more established banks but i have also like i have also seen people coming out of fresh out of college who are trained in r who just picked up SaaS super quick on the other hand there are people like who barely know the basics of sql and the one thing that i did always in SaaS, start SaaS, write proc sql and then start writing never write anything in SaaS because i don't know it there are ways of going around it and then you will hear a lot like again there's a lot like this is probably going to be available on linkedin so i shouldn't probably say this about a lot of the stuff that goes on linkedin nowadays but you're going to have a lot of ads pop up for how to become the next best analyst learn python learn Perl, learn c sharp why don't you learn javascript on the site too learn a little java maybe then learn learning dotnet you can build your own site as an analyst i think a lot of that goes into creativeness. So I think basic levels of coding and basic understanding of how code works is fine. And one thing that I hope that more people get time to do, analysts get time to do this, is learn, go through basic statistics one-on-one. That's actually the name of a course 
that's available free from MIT's open courseware. Just go through Statistics 101. You're going to start as a, if you don't know Statistics is, you're going to start off very easily. And then spend at least five to six hours on it over the span of three to six months. You're going to feel really comfortable with the concepts because it's explained in a very intuitive manner. So basic statistics, I think, is a very good tool to have in your toolkit because then you can call out some of the data scientists on all the Google that they do do. Okay, we've been speaking quite a lot about the soft skills of the analyst and speaking about the technical skills. I would say firstly that the development should be really graduate. So if you just recently graduated and you know nothing, you should not rush into all the things as good I've said. Like you'll probably lose yourself somewhere between C sharp and understanding how memory in the computer works and you will never get back to the analytics. But there are certain things I encourage you to look from the very beginning, and then I will add some things that can be useful with type. So in the very beginning, no one is happy about it, and everyone will say that this should be deprecated for the life of the analyst, but you better learn how to work with Excel. All your business users will forever and ever use Excel. They will forever and ever make the same mistakes in the formulas in the Excel. You need to know what is the VLOOKUP function. You better learn it really, really fast because you're going to use it and you're going to use pivot tables in Excel so much that you're going to hate it. But it's really how you will communicate with a lot of people in the beginning. After that, after you've mastered Excel, you can look into various BI tools and you will learn that they are a fancier version of Excel. They are better, they look nice, you can connect queries to them, you can connect queries to Excel. So, you know, they are all a bit like Excel, but way better in many ways. And you really need to learn only one to understand all of them. They are super similar, even though people will always tell you, like salesperson will always tell you how different they are. They are not. Not to that extent, to be so different, you cannot learn the others by seeing the one. The second important thing is, yes, learning how to write SQL queries. And on top of it, I would add that with time, it's really important for you to understand what makes a query efficient and what not. It's really important for you to understand how you tackle your data set and how to write your query in a way that it scans the data properly so that you don't scan billions of rows all the time when you just want to select the current date. How and when to apply filters, how and when to write your query so that it works correctly is very, very important thing, not only correctly, but also efficient, because most of you will work in the startups and startups pay attention to the cost of the queries as well, especially if you have Snowflake or any other cloud-based uh, database. So you'll have to learn this, and it's not super complex, and I bet Stack Overflow has tons of answers to these questions in ChatGPT probably, but you know, that was Stack Overflow was there before ChatGPT, so... You can always find answers to all of the questions you have there. But with time, I would say it's really nice from yours, from you to for you to learn C, uh, R or Python. I don't really encourage you to go into more difficult languages, though it would be good to understand how the memory in the computer works, but just for your own sake. Uh, but it's really more complex. And here, also, in many cases, you will not need a to master to write Python as a backend engineer, you can just, I don't know, solve easy puzzles and lead code just to, you know, understand the syntaxes of Python. 
in the end uh, or are. And then the last part is really important. And that's what Gaurav said, and it's statistics. You need to know statistics. And in the beginning, it can be the, the most easy things like how to build a histogram, how to read a histogram, what is the difference between the average and the median and when you should use one or another, and uh, what is the standard deviation. But you will need to know this things. And the, the earlier you learn this, the easier it will get with time because then you won't have to learn this while you are doing a complex project with a dead time because this probably is not the situation you want to end up with. So I would say start with Excel and maybe then other, any other BI tool. Learn SQL, really good. Look into how the SQL works and learn statistics, really important. Yeah. I just wanted to say, I just wanted to say that may the gods of analytics forgive me for not taking the name of Excel. I'm so sorry for not missing that. Come on. Yeah. I mean, I, I uh, totally agree. I have a list of tools here, so I'm going to rank them from the most important to least or uh, least important one. I think the most important is statistics, like uh, Gorov mentioned, and uh, he also gave a good resource of going through a statistics course. If someone wants to learn about data analytics or uh, get a course, I think learning a basic statistics course should be the first thing that they should do. Uh, the second one would be uh, learning SQL. I think a good resource there is W3Schools, where you can run all of your SQL queries as well. It has all of the different, uh, different uh, like where clauses, uh, prompts, joins, and everything that you can learn there. I think, yeah. And apart from that, I think I agree with Kate. Excel or Google Sheets is very important. Uh, we don't need, we shouldn't discredit them. When I, uh, when I joined my first analytics job, I didn't like to do work with uh, Excel. I thought it's uh, like a dinosaur tool, which would not be uh, used in future. But I now I've changed my perspective. I think a lot of the things that uh, junior analyst thing that you need Python for and applying fancy models like linear regression, random forest, all these other uh, machine learning models we can do quite reasonable uh, models in excel and google sheets as well um but yeah but if someone wants to get into advanced analytics then python is a really good uh, language for that and i think if we have if a person has all these basics uh done then one of the specialization i'll put this in specialization is actually presentation and visualization skills it is so important to visualize your data in a way that's easily digestible. And that's a skill that you develop over time. Some people have a knack for it, but you, you do need to go through all of the different types of visualizations. Uh, I've seen a lot of uh, analysts building a dashboard with all histogram or bar chart, and it doesn't look very nice. So you need to think about how to visualize your data in a nicer way and uh, which uh, which conveys the information quite quickly. And yeah, and I've seen a lot of examples of good visualization as well. Um, but yeah, I uh, I can't really show them all on a podcast. <laughs> but yeah, I think 
Yeah, that was the list of tools that I had uh, for becoming a good or a start starting analyst. I think I would add a small uh, part regarding the visualization skills and etc. I guess it's also really important for you with time to understand how you should structure your presentation or your dashboard in a way that people see the most important things first. Like we read from a laptop to the right down. So the most important thing, obviously, should be in the laptop, but it's not the only thing. Like, for example, it has been proved that people do read the bar charts better than fine charts and the worst they read three maps. So the most important thing should be presented as a bar chart, if not the number, and then pie chart, and then the free map based on the importance of the insights this particular graphs could be. But in general, yeah, I guess you can always use some inspiration from Tableau Public or from any other public sources with presentations and visual tools. And I guess it's really important also to read some articles about how to make a convincing outline of your presentation because it circles back to general presentation and communication skills. We discussed. Go on, Kate. You know, suddenly we're on a very weird path. I'm now going to, from now on, I'm going to present everything that I have only in bar charts because I think everything is important. Why would I like? Why would I ever select the second or third best option? It's always going to be in bar charts from now. Is it going to rain today? Three bar charts. <laughs> so, no, obviously not. But I would say that like you usually put one major insight to the to the dashboard, and then you add some supportive information. The supportive information should go in the different charts. Like the main information should look either as a TPI numbers. But it's yeah. yeah but I, I think I hundred percent agree with you. This this yeah, this is a very nice thing to take away from this podcast that people respond to bar charts much better than they do to all the other I think analysts get excited about stuff that nobody else cares about. I like I don't know. Like if you put in four analysts together and you tell them don't talk about work, they are still going to end up talking about, Oh, do you know I have scatter plots on my page? Have you ever seen such nice scatter plots? Can you chart now Sheets now supports, so I think this is a this has been a very nice conversation about this stuff. Yeah, I feel like I remember building for like a couple of hours a really complex visualization in color where you have this graph that goes like in circles, different spirals of the graph, with showing in the numbers in the end. And I made it, and I was so happy because about this because I look, I held it like so pretty, so beautiful. It's gonna look so impressive on the dashboard. We just get a bar chart out of it. Really difficult to read. I was really pissed off, but then I just realized that, like, I'm, it's fancy thing I know how to make now, but like, I'm making a thing for others. And if they don't like us, this, if they don't understand this, then there is no use of having this fancy thing. So, yeah, uh, with time, I guess you will learn that in Tableau Online or in Tableau Public, you can find tons of different graphs and in, on LinkedIn, people will advise you how to build this horrifically complex dozens of graphs. And then in the end, people will just say, that, can we get this as a table? We don't understand this thing. And you'll have to accept this. It's what you learned with time being. Yeah, I think some of the, I mean, it's it's really important to understand your audience as well, right? Uh, who uh, who are you presenting to? If it's the finance people, they're always asking for the table and on the visualization, right? So that they can 
do their own analysis as well at the back end. And so I think, yeah, that's also important to understand who your audience is and then cater and, and change your uh, visualizations according to that. I would say that being an analyst is really a mindset because I have a, I do make huge Excel sheets for every single major life decision I do in my life. Like I had an Excel sheet for buying a flat with my son, but I had an Excel sheet for moving into different country. I'd have tons of Excel sheets in my computer for different things I consider to be important. And that's how I decide what to do with my life sometimes or what to buy or where to go. And I guess, yeah, being an analyst makes a bit of a mindset to you. I don't know if, if that's something that grows with you with time as you started to be an analyst or you just think this way and therefore you are a good analyst or you are an analyst. Fair enough. Hey. Yeah, uh, I mean, I would uh, agree with that. I think you can really identify the people who really love analytics and we're just doing it as a job. There's a big difference between uh, and in been both of those uh, kinds of uh, people. It it depends if you 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 can love it over time as well. You don't necessarily have to be in uh, like loving working with analytics when you start. It can develop over time as well. But it is really essential. I, I one of the things that I've seen is people I think and maybe I'm uh, it's like five years ago, but a lot of the people wanted to become data scientists, but then they didn't they couldn't get jobs for a data scientist. So they settled for analytics. But and they I mean I've seen a lot of these people. They still want to become data scientists. But it's such a this there are a lot of similarities as well, but it's such a different mindset. To be an, in analytics versus to be a data scientist. A data scientist is works on uh, developing a model on uh, a predictive or uh, different kind of models. But analytics needs to be you, you need to have a broader perspective of things of business in general. And if you really love analytics, you'll you'll succeed. You'll surely succeed in it because the the interest that you have digging more into a problem, I think that's that's the kind of uh, a mindset that you need to have for just uh, to, to kind of progress in your career. I, I think this, the answer the answer to this question is another question, which is: Do you think somebody who is unhealthy can be a dietitian? Right. I mean, <laughs> you can, but would you like? Would I trust you with my diet? I wouldn't trust you with my diet. <laughs> so, like what Kate said, I think. All us analysts are, are are have have bad fetishes with Excel sheets. So, <laughs> like, do I want to go to a restaurant on a Sunday afternoon with my wife? Here is my Excel sheet of the top fifty restaurants, broken by cuisine, by cost, by place, by opening time, by how I felt about the dishes that I had the last time that I went there. And I have ratings. I I kid you not. I have a colleague who has on his like again. He is somebody like us, all of us who moved to Sweden from outside. He has on his iPhone an album with upwards of 100 pictures of every single type of beer that he's tried from System Bolavit, which is the alcohol selling company in in Sweden. And he has a picture of all of them and a rating on all of them, a rating out of a scale of, like, that person is drunk 
but he still remembers taking a picture of his empty beer bottle and putting a rating on the picture and then saving it in an album. That's what an analyst is. It's 100% the mentality. Like what Rahil said, yes, that we, we might have been aiming for the stars and fallen on the tree of analytics, but you're not going to make a very good analy- analyst if you're not curious, if you're not asking a lot of questions, and if you're not, like, if you're not spending even on your weekends on some weird Excel and trying to convince everybody that that's, that's how you take decisions. So, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, uh, to to kind of add on that, I think being an organized person in general, if you are that sort of a person, it uh, it improves your analytical skills as well. When you're working as an analyst, a lot of the time it's uh, organizing, uh, uh, having a more uh, organized approach to a problem makes your life super easy rather than just... Uh, focusing here and there on different issues. Yes, like that is an exact answer why the IT departments of all companies need working with analysts. We demand organization. This is so crazy. So is it easy to say? Sorry. And the last thing is don't ever ask an analyst why. Like if they say something, if you just ask a why if you only have like 45 minutes on your hand to spare because they are going to have answers. Oh my God, they are going to have answers to all your whys. Lesson learned. So is it fair to say then that a person is an analyst as a person before they become a data analyst or before they find the world of data analytics? No, I, I, they are. The answer probably is yes. But I would also say that you can develop into an analyst. It's not like, again, I don't think after all this big stuff that I just said, I don't think I was really a good analyst when I started off. I only got a better analyst because I understood how, like how much of a fool I could be if I was not asking tough questions on myself and that I think over time has kind of improved me as an analyst so I I think you can yes it's great if you are somebody who already has that knack of playing around with pivots and excels rather than on your playstation but that's not everybody I wasn't that person when I started maybe maybe I was but still like you become you can develop into a very good analyst if you are ready to ask questions if you are sometimes ready to be wrong and if you sometimes know that you could have just done better if you had asked better questions. So you can be a good analyst, but it's also a little bit of a, a great analyst is probably somebody who's already fantasizing on Excel sheets. Fair enough. Thank you guys so much for joining us. I just want to individually thank you. So Kate, Raheel, Gaurav, that really was an insightful discussion. And I really hope that our listeners have learned as much as I have from this and that you guys have learned from each other as well. So I just want to leave this by saying thank you once again to you guys. Thank you for listening. And to anybody who is listening, if you would like to be involved in a future podcast, please reach out to me.